Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast with me, Walt 2.0. And it's Brandon. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so it's today's topic is very interesting, in my opinion. I think it's um, it's an interesting one. It's one that I've been um, thinking about since it was introduced, uh, since the book was suggested to me. So without further ado, our first topic is about the 10,000 hour rule which was, um, it was sort of coined by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell. He, ri- uh, he wrote a book, I should say, called Outliers. And in this book, one of the things he talks about is the concept of the 10,000 hour rule. And the 10,000 hour rule basically states that um, you need 10,000 hours to become good or, or exceptional, I should say, at any skill or a master at any skill. In, in life, basically. So we're just going to discuss what we think, whether we think this is true, um, what we, not even whether it's true or false. We're just going to basically, you know, um, discuss our opinions, basically. Yeah, so Brandon, I'm going to kick it off with you. What are your views on the 10,000 hour rule? Do you agree? Um, to some extent, I mean, from my understanding of the whole 10,000 hour rule, it was 10,000 hours of practice when you're already at a certain level of your particular field. So it wasn't really just like 10,000 hours from the from amateur to to pro. I, I've always seen it as, you know, if you put in 10,000 hours of work at a particular stage, then you become, quote unquote, let's say, master of of your field. Um, but there's a, there's a saying I heard someone just randomly throw around once was there's a difference between practice and this good practice you can be practicing mm-hmm. but not practicing good you know so for example that's why you see tennis players will change their coach from time to time because they always you know they maybe another coach knows something you know the skill that they might be lacking someone else can provide it so but then i feel like the the ten thousand hour rule is is within certain parameters and variables. It I don't it, you can't apply it to everything. Okay. You know, it's is um and I'm saying this because I had a guy Vuzi, who is a South African entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yeah. Um, and he was saying the ten thousand hour rule, for example, doesn't apply to business because one, the laws and variables parameters are always changing in business. Mm-hmm. The ten thousand hour rule you know, came from a point whereby you are, you are assuming that nothing changes. So, for example, if you're playing tennis, they're not going to change the rule. They hardly ever change the rule. They probably would add something. They added the eagle eye technology for checking if the ball is out of bound. That only aids, you know, it doesn't really change the, the dynamics of the game. In basketball, you're not changing the dynamics of the game. In football, you're not changing the dynamics of the game. You know, so you can practice over and over to perfect something because you're not expecting anything to change. If you're a programmer, for example, things are always changing. You know, In new technology is always coming up. Yeah. Um, Font Awesome, for example, has a five version 5.0, but you were last week on version 4.0 seven and you thought you had mastered it and you go on your wordpress website and it's not working yeah does that suddenly not make you you know does it suddenly mean you're no longer good at you know at what you do so the ten thousand hour rule for me applies in things 
that are not you know going to change it doesn't mean that you can't use it if you if you've come on if you've been coding for years and you've you know you've evolved you know you've developed your skill and you've put in all those hours you will be at a certain point whereby yes you are really really good at it but if you know if if lebron james takes time off from basketball for six yeah. months or a year and he comes back which michael jordan did you know and he comes back and he says he wants to play again muscle memory will kick in after two months of hard practice yeah if bill gates i don't know if bill gates has been programming he's been doing let's just say he's been doing philanthropist work and he's not been yeah. involved in if bill gates comes back today he would have some serious catching up to do mm. compared to where he left off because technology has evolved so much. So in certain fields, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't agree with the Bill you, Gates one. You would have. You would have. You would always have your foundation. 100%. You would always have the foundation, but say for we even know like something like JavaScript, for example, where always something yeah. new coming out. Yeah. You know, so you're always going to have to be on top of it. But the ten thousand hour rule is saying, once you've done that, you're there. You're good. You know, like for now, we, we know that LeBron James, the only thing that will stop him is age. You yeah. know, not because he hasn't put in 10,000 hours. But the way I've always read it is 10,000 hours is because certain variables, parameters are not going to change. That was yeah. original. I don't know if anything, if they've done studies to add on it, you know, to expand on it, fair enough. But the original case was always, if you practice for 10,000 hours at the top level, not from amateur to beginning, at the top. No, I, I don't think it's top level. I just think it's like from the beginning. That's what Malcolm... Okay, so if you, if you never had a coach or anyone to take you beyond the point where you started at the beginning, will you just be 10,000 hours of being an amateur? That is a good question. but um, That's a good question, but I guess... You know, most of the things we all learn in life, we didn't necessarily have a coach. Like programming, for example, I didn't have a programming mentor or coach. It was it was self-taught. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And I'm still trying to attain that level of, um, you know, mastery. But yeah, I don't think you need a coach. Well, you, you don't need a coach for, for programming per se. Yeah. Or for most things. Well, for, for most things, but... The article I read and book was they use athlete as their case study, so that's why I keep referring to Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. You know, and that's why I'm using the word, for example, coach. And that's why I'm saying mm. the rules would not change for those people. But in, in the world of business, yeah. for example, business 20 years ago, you know, there are certain things you would apply then that would not work in this day and mm. age. Take, for example, social media. I've totally flipped the playing field of marketing. So whoever was great at marketing even 10 years ago has now had to go relearn or learn all these new ways of marketing. So the 10,000 hour rules that they had, you know, put in to be at that level of advertising, you know, um, understanding billboards and 
and TV marketing, newspaper, whatever. Now they've had to like put that aside and decide, oh, no, now I need to learn again because, you know, the, the playing field has changed, but it's still in business. It's still in the field of marketing. So I'm just saying like it would not apply. It applies in certain things, but it would not apply in other things. There are people who have played guitars for 10,000 hours and are still nowhere close to being as good as the guitar player from the Beatles. I see where you're coming so, from. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that. And your, vo- your, your points are very interesting. And a lot of them, I, um, I agree with a lot of them. But um, just before I state my um, sort of my view on this is that this conversation sort of sparked up again by um, a recent interview I saw with the, um, you know, the new chief editor of British Vogue, Edward Enifal, and um, Oprah. And, you know, she was saying how, like, how millennials are impatient, that, you know, it takes a long time, 10,000 hours to um, be good at something or to reach a great level in your field. And that's why this conversation was sparked again, as well as, you know, reading the book. What's the biggest frustration for you with young women in the world today? My biggest frustration is not just with young women. My biggest frustration is also with young men, young people who think that, and I have a lot of this with my girls in college, they think that success is supposed to happen like Like that. that. Yeah. They think that there isn't a process to it. They think that they're supposed to come out of college and have their brand. Social media. Yes, social media. <laughs> you did not get to be editor of Vogue magazine by not working and working and working yes. and working and working to get here. I love the theory of that there's 10,000 hours behind anybody who ever gets to be successful. But my opinion on this is that I think there's a lot of truth into the 10,000 hour debate. And in the book, Malcolm Gladwell uses various examples. He uses the Beatles, he uses um, athletes, he uses Bill Gates. For the Beatles, they played in a club in Hamburg, Germany, for um, eight hours, seven days a week, for a few months, for a couple months, I should say. And that's one of the reasons that allowed them to become one of the greatest bands ever, that allowed them to become, you know, that gave them the opportunity to perform great as a band. Um, another example he gives was, you know, um, elite violinists. He said that elite violinists spend over, you know, eight hours or more for the past 10 years. You know, the best ones spent over eight hours, like 15 hours practicing with their violinist to become elite um, violinists. But the ones who spent less than eight hours for the next 10 years, they became like music teachers or, or you know, um, just good at it, basically. And the third example that I recall giving is, as we've all mentioned, is Bill Gates. What people don't, what I like about the book is that, you know, he shows that success isn't just number one, an overnight thing. And also success isn't just about being a genius. There's many factors, you know, such as luck, which I don't really believe in. And, um, and a few other factors such as when you were born, etc. But with Bill Gates, this is what happened. His school was one of the first in the district to, to have computers. So what Bill Gates did was in the summer, during the summer and sometimes in the school that he would sneak into school and he would spend over eight hours per day learning programming, you know, using the computer. And by the time he reached like 18 or his later teens, he became exceptional with using computers and that programming. So of course he would be a billionaire and start a software company. Do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's actually statistics proving this, that 
it does take um, a long amount of time or 10,000 hours. He's backed it up, which is why I like. He didn't just say it takes 10,000 hours. He has a hypothesis and it's backed up. Where do I agree with you on? I agree with you on the point whereby it depends on, on, um, on what it is, you know? Games like chess, basketball, tennis, these things are structured, right? Because they're structured, their, um, their rules don't change. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Whereas unstructured fields, such as business, entrepreneurship, as you said, and other fields that changes every year, as you said, it depends on, you know, the field and the structure. Do you see what I'm saying? So in, in that case, then you can't say the 10,000 hour rule. But then I did some research and two pieces of um, research that have been found from Stanford University and Florida University. Apparently, practice for long hours only counted for less than 12% of people's successes. And also the second fact they found that is that sometimes it's not about the amount of hours you spend. It's about the quantity. As you mentioned, you know, having a coach or something. What Malcolm Gladwell failed to analyze was the quantity that was being put into these hours rather than, sorry, the quality that's been put into the hours rather than the quantity. Do you see what I'm saying? That's a second factor that needs to be taken into consideration. And the third factor that needs to be taken into consideration is that some of these things is innate. If your parents are geniuses or smart, you will inherit some of these things that allow you to be able to learn things quicker. Hence why we have people with, you know, photographic memory and the ability to, uh, you know, recall information faster and understand things faster. So, mm-hmm. I think that those are interesting things to notice. But generally, I believe to become an expert at something, it takes time. You see what I'm trying to say? So Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I, I referenced Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And I said, uh, muscle memory. I mean, if Bill Gates came back to yeah. me and said he wants to go back into programming, it's not going to be that hard for him. But he's yeah. not going to be starting exactly at the top of the food chain because he's taking yeah. some time off and things have changed. And mm-hmm. what help people is experience, you know. And I know the, the study, you know, did it alongside, you know, the 10,000 hours you've actually spent doing it. But if you think, mm-hmm. I'm just going to study how to program. I'm just going to study how to do it, but then never go out and actually put themselves. Um, I was listening to, to someone, um, Titus O'Neill, um, food, former um, college footballer and also WWE wrestler. And he was saying yeah. like his sons, were, I think his sons went to play football and they were not keeping yeah. scores and they were just playing. And then he told them that that's the last time they ever come in there because mm. he said his sons needed to learn what failing was and also what succeeding was. Yeah. Okay, if you're three point down, you have 30 seconds to go, what are you going to do? If you're a drummer who's been practicing and then suddenly you have to go play somewhere, you know when you're practicing, you're almost in kind of a safe zone? Yeah. But then when you actually have to go put it into practice, it's a totally different story. If a mm. singer is not keeping to the beat, if the keyboard is off key, you know, if maybe you're not keeping the beat in the pocket, all those things add to your experience. So, you know, it's fair enough for us to just say, yes, 10,000 hours practice. That's why, that's why I keep saying it has to be 10,000 hours at a certain level after you've gone away from just being a beginner. Because a college kid can put in 10,000 hours. But when it comes yeah. to face an NBA player, those 10,000 hours would not help him. Except if you're yeah, naturally I mean... more better than the players. Which, okay, in sports, a lot of people, you know, give slacks to 
some NBA players who are like, you know, quote unquote low level, but a lot of yeah. work it actually takes for you to get to the NBA. You're more than mm. so many other people who have spent their life playing basketball. Yeah, absolutely. So, but this, so this, yeah. it's not just, you know, 10,000 hours, I have the best coach. That For me, there are just other many factors that play into it, you know. I mean, absolutely, I get what you're saying. But just to, you know, give your response back to the example you gave about, you know, someone that's been practicing basketball for, you know, 10,000 hours without you know, playing an NBA opponent, we would at least hope that he's actually, you know, competing. Do you see what I'm saying? And therefore, in order for him to, you know, reach a great level, he has to be able to track his progress. You don't become a great programmer by just sitting in your room and just learning coding for 10 hours. No, you know, you become a great programmer by, you know, learning programming and then building something real. Because by you building something real, you see that, oh, you meet many obstacles that you wouldn't have reached if you didn't build something. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So I don't think like 10,000 hours would just be you locked in and not doing, not competing with people or anything. Of course, you have to compete with different people of different levels. As you, as you referenced, the, the football player, he told his sons they have to track, you know, their points because how would they know whether they're, they're progressing? Do you see what I'm trying to say? So it's very important. That's why, you know, the word quality comes in. You know, I can learn something for 10 hours. It's like when we revise, for example, what may take someone 10 hours to revise may take me 16 hours to understand. Do you see, do you see what I'm trying to say? And that's not necessarily because I'm dumb. It's just maybe that person has, has certain types of systems or, you know, whereby they can understand things quicker. Maybe they were using acronyms to understand things um, faster. Or maybe they're using a, a, a process or teaching others that I do not know about. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So quantity... And quality definitely keywords that come to play. But I do believe I still stand by, you know, spending long hours at something is, is definitely important. I think, to be honest, I'm going to attribute this book to the reason why I really, I chose to work really hard at university as well. Because I remember when I first read this book, I was just about to start university. And then this just totally debunked all the things that, oh, you got to be a genius. It actually proves that, you know, I won't say proved, but it said spending long hours on things or, you know, 10,000 hours in, in general term will actually help you to become, um, you know, great, exceptional. I'm not saying I've reached my 10,000 hours, of course not. But I'm just saying, like, you know, putting lots of hours into what I was doing really helped. But let me ask you this question, actually. Do you necessarily think, say, if I wanted to learn a language and become good at it, do you think I need 10,000 hours? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, because there are different things. For example, having lived in Belgium... Yeah, when you're in that place, you are, for, you know, you are. Would I say forced? Yeah, you're you're put in a situation where it's only that that's the only thing you're hearing. You're constantly mm. taking it in, so consciously you you know you're storing more at a faster rate because you're almost kind of yeah. backed up against the wall to say, hey, you you need to pick it up or you can't survive. But if you're in a yeah. comfortable place and you just want to learn it, because unconsciously you are kind of more relaxed so you might not you know except if you're just mentally there to say i'm going to push myself to learn this because ten thousand hours is more than a year 416 days or 407 you know so they yeah. are, they are different like, like you alluded to earlier that so for some people it could take ten thousand hours for some people it could take you know sixteen thousand. and also in languages if you said just saying learn the foundation yeah, yeah you can pretty much learn the foundation in that ten thousand hours Except if it's like Mandarin, then I'm not sure. I'm not good with languages. I mean, 
necessarily for me i don't think so if, say for example i just want to become good at a language i don't want to become an expert i don't want to become um you know a master at the french for example i just want to become good i, I think i could do it in maybe 20 or or um 100 hours if i spend an hour every day for the next three to six months i think I, I could become good at it for example if i just wanted to learn how to play a guitar for fun i think i could become good at it. i'm not going to become an expert i'm not going to become you know i'm not going to be start a band and be one of the greatest musicians ever but i just want to learn how to you know new skill i think of course you can be you can be good at something without spending ten thousand hours but also for example like you know right now i'm, I'm dabbling with you know design as well as programming I'm not saying I'm going to become Johnny Ive. I'm not saying I'm going to become the next, you know, um, Data Rams. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to become the next, design, the best designer, but I think I'll be good at it because the two skills together will, you know, allow me to create better products and bre uh, better software. So in that case, I don't think you need to become, you need 10,000 hours if you just want to be good at, you know, starting a new skill. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And also, I, w I watched a YouTube video and some guy was basically saying, like, you can learn a new skill for, in, like, 20 hours. And so I'm a big geek. I want to keep learning things. I want to keep growing. And so what I decided to do was go to the library and go to the bookstore and look at what research says about how we learn and how we learn quickly. And I read a bunch of books. I read a bunch of websites. And trying to answer this question, how long does it take to acquire a new skill? You know what I found? 10,000 hours. <laughs> Anybody ever heard this? 10, 000, it takes 10,000 hours. If you, want, if you want to learn something new, if you want to be good at it, it's going to take 10,000 hours to get there. And I read this in book after book and website after website, and the, uh, my, my mental experience of, of reading all of this stuff I was like, no, I don't have time. I don't have, have 10,000 hours. I am never going to be able to learn anything new ever again. <laughs> but that's not true. Given that you spend um, a specific amount every day, but you must spend that specific amount every day. And I think he learned like two or three new skills. He learned how to play the ukulele. Um, he learned like some other running yeah, I think you've seen that video. How long does it take from starting something and being grossly incompetent and knowing it to being reasonably good in, hopefully, as short a period of time as possible? So, how long does that take? Here's what my research says. 20 hours. That's it. You can go from knowing nothing about any skill that you can think of. Want to learn a language? Want to learn how to draw? Want to learn how to juggle flaming chainsaws? <laughs> if you put 20 hours of focused, deliberate practice into that thing, you will be astounded, astounded at how good you are. 20 hours is doable. That's about 45 minutes a day for about a month, even skipping a couple days here and there. 20 hours isn't that hard to accumulate. And, uh, you know, just general things like that. I don't think you necessarily need 10,000 hours. Like, for example, I'm playing chess right now. Like I said earlier in the year that I was going to start playing chess. But I'm a friend of just playing it for fun. We're not playing it so we can, you know, become the next chess masters in the world. Do you see what I'm saying? So I, I wouldn't put people off by saying you need 10,000 hours to become, you know, um, fashion designer you wanted to be or, you know, or for just starting a new skill, basically. I think, like, 
Yeah, you can just put, as long as you, you dedicate a specific amount of uh, minutes every day, you'll be fine. You know, I, those are articles I've shared like twice on our Twitter account. It's called the five hour rule. And the five hour rule is popularly supported by, it's crazy. There's so many hours, like these, there's so many like myths these successful people have that I'm, I'm starting to question it, to be honest. But um, it's the five hour rule is supported by Jeff Bezos, uh, Bezos, however you say it, the CEO of Amazon and one other person, I can't recall. But the five hour rule states that, you know, there's a common theme in successful people. And the, like the ones I've just mentioned, research showed that, these people spent five hours per day learning, five hours every day learning over a couple of years. And that allowed them to reach success or that allowed them to, you know, get to where they are or become a millionaire or billionaire, whatever. And I think um, I found that interesting. And I think there is um, there is some truth. You don't necessarily need to spend eight hours, but I think every day you should be um, spending a couple of hours learning. And I think that's very critical in order to build your skill out wherever you're doing. Yeah, sure. Sweet, we can end the topic there. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So now we are moving to our tech in Africa segment. And in today's segment, we are talking about Google releasing free Wi-Fi hotspots in Lagos. And this has been called a Google Station, basically. So what Google have done is that they've released free public Wi-Fi services in Lagos. It will connect millions of users via 200 Wi-Fi hotspots spread across five cities in Nigeria within one year, with the hopes to be done by 2019. And yeah, what do you think about this? I mean, it's it's a good initiative, if, if we're being honest. Um, on hindsight, in plain sight, it's a good initiative. Uh, I did have a Google for Nigeria stuff a couple of weeks back. Um, had other YouTubers, um, tech people. Of, uh, actually, it, was really, it looked really, really good. They had um, the interior design, the aesthetics at the, at the event. I think you mm-hmm. would have loved it. It was really good. No, really? Yeah, they had the Kekena Pep in the thing as well. Oh, wow. You know, um, and then they announced the whole um, hotspot stuff. Uh, obviously, I can understand why they're starting with Lagos. Lagos is, you know, the heartbeat of Nigeria. The hub right now. Like, heartbeat of Nigeria yeah. right now. All, all mm-hmm. the young, most, not all, most of the young tech entrepreneurs are there. Yeah. I mean, the, the question it comes to, because I was watching someone who went to the event and he was, he was asking the question, will it work? And I think to some extent it will. Um, what was his question? If it would work, would it last? Would it, would it work? <laughs> Interesting. And the reason I said to some extent is because it's Nigeria. Anyone in Nigeria, okay. there are so many unpredictable um, parameters. I keep using the word parameters and variables. Wait, just a quick question. Who have you been watching recently? Like, what videos have, been, have you been watching? Because I realized that what we tend to watch a lot, we start to, like, start using their habits of words. Do you see what I'm no, saying? No, it's just from, I guess it's just from, uh, what's it called? Um, TSQL. TSQL, what? <laughs> oh, you're talking about um, um, SQL. Yeah. Work. yeah, work. So I'm not really watching, watching anyone. It's just, because I, I keep wanting to say there's so many 
unforeseen in circumstances where it's just too long. If I use parameter or variable, mm. well, I assume people get it. Yeah. But yeah, there are so many things unaccounted for. Yeah, like what? in Nigeria, uh, power shortage. Yeah. Uh, maintenance too. Not not that I'm hating on Nigeria, guys. It's mm-hmm. just based on our on our track record. But the 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 initiative, the incentive. I mean, they've done it in uh, four different countries. I believe Mexico has it. Yeah, India, Thailand, and Indonesia. So, you know. And I can see why they would want to bring it to Nigeria. Yeah. One of the countries that use, you know, consumes data the most in Africa. Yeah. Um, and data is very expensive in yeah. Nigeria, if I'm being honest. I was uh, visiting last time. Fab, I was consuming mm. through my data. Like, I thought I was here, you know. <laughs> mm. I was just going through wow. it like it was nothing. I think in two weeks. I'd use like maybe eight yeah. or so. And people were looking at me like, sorry, what? What, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, I'm like, I use an average of what? 15 a month when I'm back home. So guys, and that's maybe outside of Wi-Fi. And I think <laughs> another thing why this works is because um, Wi-Fi in Nigeria isn't that prominent. Um, you know, getting it in your house can be expensive. I know someone mm. who has who has like two providers, just to make sure if one is not working, they can use the other one. Mm. I think what this would do is allow for people to use, you know, to to maximize the internet. Mm. People who are at home, for example, and do not have Wi-Fi and can, you know, afford large amount of data to, you know, carry out certain things they want to do. Yeah, this will allow for that, but. The is how yeah. are they going to implement it? If are they building a building and saying this is the hub? Because there was not too many details, but not that I saw. Yeah, no, absolutely. What are they doing with our data? Because the way I just see this, sorry, as a data guy, okay, I'm just like, Bob, thank you. You are just about to mine a host country data, see what we use data for the most. Now start creating ads, ads mm. based to people. Oh, maybe that's something we can even um, you know, take advantage of. When they release that, mm. you can start creating ads. You know, ad first. Wait, sorry, we can start creating what? You can become a digital, um, what do you call them? Marketing people. So you can be creating ads. You know, so this, but the, the initiative itself is good. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, five cities, though, hopefully they do more. I know a friend of mine who was not too happy that they didn't include her state. So now she decided to yeah. do a whole tech event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone from Google um, her panel. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so just let me just give you some facts and then I'll state what I think about this. So when you asked about how they were going to do this, well, Google are going to be partnering with uh, a Nigerian fiber optic telecoms uh, provider known as 21st Century to roll out the Wi-Fi spots. And these, the spots would be um, rolled out in places such as colleges or universities, I should say, because I'm an American, uh, shopping centers, markets, and bus stations, as well as um, airport in um, Lagos. And just to add more context to, you know, what you, were, what you were saying, basically, I think, what do I think about this, actually? I think um, it's a good initiative. 
And I think it's a great idea. You know, Nigeria is one of the first countries in Africa that Google's testing this um, Google Station stuff with, or is doing it with. And I think that's really good. And also, I think it makes sense. You know, a product such as this, or let me say a service, would be great because it means more businesses will come to Nigeria. And this is not just good for businesses coming to Nigeria, but it's good for entrepreneurs who want to start internet-based applications. You know, I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and he's, he's telling me that, we're always talking about building these cool apps in Nigeria. And he's telling me, look, Wally, people, as you said, the data issue in Nigeria is, is like, it's a problem. You know, people aren't using apps the way we use it. You know, as, as an article I read said, you know, the internet penetration in Nigeria is really low. The country's broadband penetration rate is below 12%. And only 17% of Nigerians with mobile phones have access to public Wi-Fi. You know, so... This initiative is going to be good for uh, many people in Nigeria, especially businesses, entrepreneurs. And in regards to what you said about the data, I think it's interesting. I think we should always question the unknown. That's one thing I've been doing recently. And what I mean by that is, you know, what is the motive? Why is Google doing this? You know, and so I did some research and it turns out Google is doing this because they want to be ready for the next billion users online. Basically, they want to plan and develop products for the next billion Internet users. That's why, you know, they're um, taking this initiative. And in order to do that, you're going to have to go into countries such as um, Nigeria or continents such as Africa, whereby there isn't a lot of internet users or where the internet penetration is low, which makes sense. But also, I'm a bit shifty about this. I'm a bit, you know, I don't know how I feel about this because as you said, what are they going to be doing with our data? You know, um, that's one thing I'm skeptical about. But then again, can we actually trust any company with our data nowadays? Do you see what I'm trying to say? So it's, it, it's a double whammy, basically. And yeah, I think it's a good initiative. Other things as well. Another reason why this um, initiative is good for Africa, or Nigeria, I should say, is because, number one, as you said, data cost in Nigeria is high. And number two, the infrastructure for internet in, in Nigeria is, is um, unreliable. People are saying that it's, it's not that good. So having an initiative like this is, um, is really good as well. And yeah, that's mostly what I think about it. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But also in terms of revenue, how are Google going to make money from this? So what they're going to do is they're going to have ads on the platform and they're going to share the revenue with the um, telecoms provider that they're working with. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, and I'm quite um, excited. Yeah, I mean, you know, things like this, I just feel like foundation, the infrastructure, the foundation of the infrastructure isn't there for the people in the country themselves to maximize the opportunities that this could bring. You know, seeing it and thinking, oof, ad revenues, uh, if I open a Starbucks, or if I open a coffee shop, for example, now, Lagos. Yeah. Can I talk to Google about using them, having their Wi-Fi as a hotspot, you know, paying them something? So we can see that, but the people mm. in the country themselves, because the foundation isn't there, because they haven't been taught certain things or been exposed to certain, you know, things, they don't see, you know. So mm. real people who are even going to take advantage of this are either yeah. people coming from abroad or businesses who are going to use it for themselves, but the average man the average blogger you know the average business trying to use the internet or use youtube stuff like that they might not know how to maximize this you know, yeah. i've always said like in nigeria you can either help nigeria make money 
or use Nigeria to make money. And unfortunately, it's a it's a dog eat dog world. But if there was a better infrastructure, a better foundation, you know, I I would have been more excited to be like, okay, now I know, you know, it kind of not levels the playing field, but it gives an average man a boost. So that's just my concern concern about it. Yeah, I understand, but I always hear a lot of people who have the same, you know, ideas such as, oh man, we still not enough. Like my friend I was telling you about, I was like, man, he said it's exactly the same thing you said. You know, it's great, but boom, a lot of people don't have mobile phones, blah, blah, blah. But the way I see it is that this is a step forward, you know. Rome, as you know, the cliche saying, wasn't built in a day. This is a step forward to allowing the people who would benefit to, you know, pass the bait on on and hopefully do more things that will help communities and make people more aware. Do you see what I'm trying trying to say? Think about it. I'm not, stu- I'm not saying it's not a step forward. It is yeah. a step forward. Yeah. There was a better foundation, which yeah. has nothing to do with Google now or anything. I understand. There was a yeah. foundation, infrastructure-wise. Yeah. We would have been maximizing this opportunity even more. Yeah, I understand. I, st- I understand what you're saying. Definitely, I understand what, what you're saying. But what I'm saying is that at the same time, it's got to start from somewhere. Like, we're not going to get it right, you know, straight away. I think this is a good first step. We'll see where it goes from here. I understand what you're saying by, you know, it's the full potential is not going to be maximised. I get that. But I think um, it's, a, it's a first step. Let's see what happens from there. But also, i also like to state that um, Facebook released something similar last year called um, Express Wi-Fi. They launched it in Nigeria in November 2017. But their one wasn't free. Theirs was, um, they were asking users to pay $5.52 for 10 GB of data. So, yeah, I don't know how well that did. And they tried that in Kenya and Tanzania as well. But, yeah, I don't know how that did. But I think Google's one of the facts that it's free. It's great. So let's see what, what happens from there. Yeah. Sweet. Is there any more things you wanted to add? No, not on that topic. But I just want to give a shout out to Stomzy for the scholarship is oh yeah to black students who will be attending cambridge yeah that's really good that was yeah very inspiring well done to the guy you know so 100 percent. hats off to stormzy he's doing his thing he's no longer a backup dancer <laughs> i was waiting for you to say something like that but yeah hats off to stormzy man that's that's great sweet i guess yeah that's um it's a wrap for this week's podcast we hope you've um, enjoyed it and yeah, listen up for the next one. And as usual, you can check us out on social media. We've got a new website dropping soon. You guys should check out and yeah, let us know what you feel about it. And if you ever need a website, an app or any technological service or just consulting as to maybe starting a business, a tech business or updating your website, updating your tech infrastructure, then email us. You can email us at contact at quadrivum.co.uk. And yeah, or you could just at us on Twitter or DM us. But that's it for today and God bless. See you guys.